So I hope you're enjoying the series um, at the movies and uh, have these guys come up here in just a second here. Uh, in case you haven't figured out, we're talking about <clears throat> Total Recall today with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk today about Mr. Rogers. And if you were a child, uh, or some of you as parents, and as Tony said, grandparents, you remember watching with your kids and grandkids, and it was always the same thing. Mr. Rogers would uh, walk in, he would take off his suit coat, uh, and then he would open up the closet. Anybody know what he'd do next? He would put on a, a sweater, so let's join the crowd here. I'm going to put on my sweater, and then he would flip on his uh, tennis shoes. By the way, his favorite color was red, so he put it on that, but... Uh, if you've ever, uh, there's, a, there's an amazing movie out right now about a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and it's about a journalist, investigative reporter, and he is assigned basically to follow Mr. Rogers behind the scenes because nobody could possibly be that nice um, as he is with all these kids, and uh, it transformed his life because he experienced the love of Jesus Christ through uh, Mr. Rogers. Uh, Fred Rogers is a pretty amazing guy. I want to just share a few fun facts about his life. Uh, he was an ordained minister. I don't know if you're aware of that. That's pretty neat. He was an ordained minister. Those iconic sweaters, those uh, cardigans that he wore, were knitted by his mother. How cool is that? And one of them is in the Smithsonian Museum for American History. And his favorite number, which was always on the trolley, was 143. And every morning, he had this routine, and part of the routine was he weighed himself every day. Come on, Mr. Rogers, you got to get over that. And he weighed 143. And the reason he loved that number, 143, is 143, I love you. So it was just a daily reminder that his mission in life was to love. And really, if there was any character uh, throughout the Bible... And I thought about this, who, who throughout the Bible, or is there a story that I'm like, that's Mr. Rogers? And I thought, it's the Good Samaritan. Because if you look at that story, and that's what we're going to get into this morning, we're going to see through that parable of the Good Samaritans how we can be a good neighbor. And that's really what this is all about. How can we be a good neighbor? So if you got your scriptures, turn to Luke chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, there in the New Testament, and just remember to always strive every day to be compassionate. Now, that sounds really easy, but I'll tell you one of the hardest things in life is to truly be compassionate because of all the noise that we face in life. But follow with me in this text, uh, starting in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And he's trying to trap Jesus. And we shared this last week. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, then who is my neighbor? Now, I just want to pause there, which is interesting. Uh, scholars are divided from this point forward. Some scholars feel like this was a parable. In other words, Jesus is, as he's done so many times, he's going to weave this fictional story that has a really heartfelt message, 
And when he weaves a parable, his question always, and that's for us, is as you read a parable, where am I in the parable? So when you read the prodigal son, always say, where am I in the parable? Where are you in this parable that we're getting ready to read? Other scholars say it's not a parable at all. Jesus is saying, hey, I, I actually witnessed this, and this, this gives you a good idea of who a neighbor is. Regardless, it is such a powerful, powerful story. So follow with me in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for what any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Wow. I mean, seriously, you just need to let that story, that parable, come into your heart this morning and simply say, can I be like that? Can I be the person who's willing to do what it takes to reach people where they are Go to the mess, because that's where compassion begins. Just a little bit of historical background. He talks about this road between Jericho and Jerusalem. It's about 18 miles, and it is an extremely treacherous road. A lot of curves, uh, a lot of canyons, a lot of just, I mean, uh, a lot of crime. A lot of folks were robbed, and so they knew that road. Just like, don't we all have roads like that? Like, oh, now, if you're traveling on that road... Uh, I'll be honest, I'll tell you a road I don't like, from Spencer to Terre Haute. Sorry, it's just, it's a bad road. I'm not saying it's de- never got robbed on it, but I never say nice things about it when I'm on it. We all have roads like that in our life, don't we? Just like, I, I just don't like that road. And then, of course, if you're in the Bloomington area, that's always fun to say, have you been on that road? And that can go on forever. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we know what that's like. And just, again, in context, is this happens after Jesus has sent out the 72, it says the other disciples, followers, and they had gone out, and they experienced the power of Jesus Christ. They come back to Jesus, and that's when he's questioned about the law. So Jesus doesn't really have much time to even celebrate with those original disciples because he had to deal with this question about what it truly meant to love Jesus the way he wanted him all of us to love Jesus, and the way that we do that is compassion. Now, what's interesting are the excuses. Uh, The first one, which uh, is simply uh, when you look at uh, the priest, is uh, he was busy. Uh, He had work to do. Uh, He probably had work at the temple to do, and he just didn't have time. I want you to think about this past week uh, in your own lives. I look at my life. Were you too busy? that you intentionally kind of walked away from a need or somebody else's mess? Um, 
we all have got people in our lives, don't we? Uh, extra grace required folks. And uh, we know that if we ask them how they're doing, guess what? They're going to tell you. And so you ask something else, you know, completely out of, because, you, you know, hey, what's your favorite color? Blue. Mine too. So you want to move on? Okay, now just think about all the little ways we allow ourselves to be so busy. That's exactly what happened. The other thing is, not only is he busy, is he so focused on man-made laws, and one of the laws was you don't touch anything, whether it's an animal or a person, that is what? Dead. So he's looking over, he's like, he's not going to make it. Goes to the other side of the road. Now that's not compassion, that he's already pretty well given up on this guy, and it's more important that he obeys that man-made law than to stop and to help. Uh, years ago, years ago, when I was first in the ministry, <clears throat> I have three older brothers. Uh, they, they've all come to Christ. But at the time, I had the brother who actually taught me how to play baseball, um, loved baseball, didn't really love Jesus yet. And uh, he said, you're, in, uh, you're the preacher guy, right? You're, that's, and I said, yeah, the, I'm a preacher guy. And he said, uh, funny story. He said, the other day on a Sunday morning, uh, I wasn't going to church. I was going to a softball tournament, but uh, got a flat tire, and this guy in a suit stopped. And I thought, well, that's nice. He's going to help me. And the guy said, and I quote, I'd love to help you. I'm on my way to church. And, of course, his point was, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. But we've all been there. We're, we've been in this tension where we're busy. And then the Levite comes by. And the Levite's responsibility is when he'd go to the temple, there was at least a season, one to three months, that his job was while the sacrifices were taking place, he made sure everything else was set up. Now, he's the Chris Porter, okay? He's the one that gets there early. He makes sure all the room is set up. But here's, and I'm not just saying this because I love Chris. Chris wouldn't walk by anybody. I know that. But this guy decided, once again, uh, and you notice, it wasn't they just walked by. Did you notice what they did? They walked to the other side of the street. Like, I don't even want to get close to the situation. We need to understand how important it is to be compassionate. And to be compassionate, you've got to be courageous because it goes against everything in our flesh to think of others before we think about ourselves. And then Jesus, in verse 33, of all the characters he could have picked... What did he pick? A Samaritan. Now, you've got to know that this religious leader is so ticked off right now. Like, you've got to be kidding. You might as well just invite Darth Vader to help. I mean, come on. You're going to invite a Samaritan into your... You know we can't stand Samaritan. Matter of fact, you've got to know all of his disciples right now are like, Jesus, I mean, why did you put a Samaritan in there? And you could have picked any of us. I mean, you got to know that Jesus, what he's saying is, I want you to listen to who was courageous here, and it was a Samaritan. So right now I want to ask you another question is, who has God laid on your heart this morning who really needs help? And I just want you to think throughout the rest of this day, has God laid somebody on your heart that needs a phone call that needs a visit, that needs you to just reach out to them. And you know by doing that, it's going to take courage. You know what compassion means? It's an interesting word, but I love this definition, to suffer together. 
to suffer together. Um, I look back at folks in my life who've had a major impact, and really, that's part of the reason is they suffered with me. When I was going through difficult times, that they were there to suffer with me. Uh, ministers suffer too. Trust me, Tony, don't ministers suffer. I can, uh, who, uh, Bill, I can, anybody else that, that's ever put in the name minister, I'm telling you, you go through seasons and it is so, it's just painful. And there's those folks that come alongside and they just, that's compassion. And they do whatever it takes to help and we are called to be compassionate. Let me give you a story of compassion that inspires me and I hope it encourages you. Uh, some of you I know sponsor children from Compassion International. My daughter uh, has done that and actually God's kind of laying it on my heart from Compassion International. Um, but have you ever read the story of how that even started? So Everett Swanson went over during the Korean War to minister to the soldiers, the United States soldiers. And when he got there, there was this huge truck, and they were throwing rags in the back of the truck. And he thought, man, that's kind of weird. And as he got closer, they weren't rags. They were children. And he thought, what is wrong with this? And at that point, he wasn't an American. He was a human being. And he said, these poor kids, there's thousands and thousands of orphan children. Somebody's got to do something. You ever notice in your life, the moment you utter, Lord, somebody needs to do something. Don't utter those words. Because the next morning when you get up, guess what? Look in the mirror. Because he's like, you're the one that needs to do something. Even though that was not plan A, this wasn't even plan Z. This was, and he's like, I'm going to stay here in Korea. And that's what he did. And people said, well, you need to raise up something, money and finances. And He goes, I'll get sponsors. I'm going to find a way to link these kids with people who will stay in touch. I'll find a way that these kids will stay in contact through letters. But we're just going to see what happens. And I'll tell you, it has been amazing over the years what has happened. Everett Swanson, it was actually named after him. And uh, in 1963, he decided he didn't want his name attached to that because he didn't want people to think that's what the focus was. So he said, find the one emotion that describes what we're doing. And it was from the Good Samaritan. He said, compassion. We want to suffer together. And so they changed the name to Compassion International. Now that uh, Compassion International is in 25 countries, and last year alone, 2 million kids were sponsored because one guy looked in the mirror and said, I got to do something about that. And maybe God's been doing that in your heart. Maybe there's a neighbor. Maybe there's something going on, and you're like, why am I not moving forward to do that? And be courageous. We're all busy. Aren't we all busy? Absolutely. But it takes courage. And then it takes courage to consistently care. Uh, and that's what I love. If you look at Luke 10, verses 34 through 36, what you're going to find out about this Samaritan is how he demonstrated his compassion. And it's always these two things. You can write this in your bulletin because this will never change. If you really want to help someone, it takes time and resources. That will never change. Never. If you really want to help someone, and I mean, compassion is that next level. Um, uh, somebody said, and I thought it was good, is the difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is you send a card. 
Empathy is you personally deliver it. Empathy says, not only am I sending this because it's the right thing to do, uh, that's sympathy. Empathy is, I hurt. I mean, I physically feel this when I think about what you're going through, and I want to be there for you. Compassion works out of empathy, time. And then this is hard, but resources. There are times what's really needed are just resources. Matter of fact, if you notice, what was interesting is he, it was all his own stuff. He put him on his donkey. He took him to the innkeeper, and it says he gave him two denarii, which if you look at your commentaries, a lot of you have them in your Bibles. Did you see what a denarii is? It's a day's wage. So he gave them two days' wage. Uh, I read that and studied it, and I, I put a figure on a paper, and I'm like, okay, boy, that's a chunk of change, John. You know, because I felt the Lord say, hey, what if you took two denarii? And I'm like, Lord, seriously, that's a lot of money. But I thought, wouldn't it be cool even if you said one? What if you said, I'm going to take one day's wage, figure it out, and I'm going to put it in an envelope, and I'm just going to pray, Lord, when the time is right, I'm going to help somebody with that one day's wage. Think of the difference we could make. It's, it's those type of things that moves our time and our resources towards the pain. We have an opportunity coming up February 7th with Night to Shine. And again, I know they're going to need volunteers, so please, as you go back to the welcome booth, talk to Amy, talk to her leadership about how you can get involved. It's just a wonderful opportunity, and I'm so thrilled this year they're hosting it at Sherwood Oaks East. So please get involved with that. One of the things that I love, as we talked about Mr. Rogers, is that he not only uh, demonstrated compassion on that show for countless kids, he, he did it outside the show to countless people. And I want you to just watch this. At the end of his life, I want you to watch this lifetime achievement, and I want you to hear what he says, and then we're going to close this morning. Who in your life has been such a servant to you? Who has helped you love the good that grows within you? Let's just take 10 seconds to think of some of those people who have loved us, and wanted what was best for us in life. Those who have encouraged us to become who we are tonight. Just 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. No matter where they are, either here or in heaven. Imagine how pleased those people must be to know that you thought of them right now. We all have only one life to live on earth, and through television, we have the choice of encouraging others to demean this life or to cherish it in creative, imaginative ways. I shared this uh, a few weeks ago uh, when we had the ordination uh, a few years ago with Doug Sanders. Um, and Doug's got such a compassionate heart for others. And this is from a book called Parallel. Uh, 
and it's Carl Erskine. And some of you are baseball fans know who Carl Erskine is. He play, played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He's an Indiana native. I got a chance to spend the day with him years ago. One of the best days of my life uh, is just talking to him. And they have a special needs son. And when his special needs son uh, was born, uh, this was years ago, they had terrible names. You can't even imagine some of the names they had for special needs children. And one of them is Mongoloid, and that's what they called. And you won't believe this, but they approached him before delivery and said, we already know what's going to happen. We can take the child. And he said, are you kidding me? I mean, God has, this child will never be loved more than he will be with us. So, yeah, you need to leave now. So, nurse leaves, and he said, of course, I'm pretty shook up. And he walked out in the hallway, and he said, I saw this sign on the hospital wall. And I wrote it down, and he said, it's become something I've read time and time again. I just want to share it with you. Resolve to be tender with the young, compassionate with the elderly, sympathetic with the striving, tolerant with the weak and the wronged, because at some time in our lives, we would have been all of these. That's compassion. Because there's going to be a moment in life we're going to need somebody to be compassionate with us. Fred Rogers had a, an unbelievable morning routine. He'd get up every day at 5 o'clock. This is odd. He loved to swim by himself, uh, nude. That's kind of odd. But anyway, um, and then what he loved to do is respond to the children's letters. And he got 50 to 100 letters nearly every day. And he would personalize these letters back to kids. Well, here's one of the letters that he wrote back. Uh, and it's from a six-year-old little girl named Amy Medler. And she drew this beautiful picture, and underneath she said, Mr. Rogers, you're going to go to heaven. And he said, listen to these words. You told me that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. That means a lot to know that. I appreciated the scripture and the picture. I'm an ordained Presbyterian minister, and I want you to know that Jesus is important to me too. And I hope that God's love and peace came through my work on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, how much of that do you think that six-year-old understood? But I guarantee as she got older, she understood. Because all she knew was, I've never met Jesus, but when I watch your show, I feel closer to Jesus. And that's really what, that's what the parable is all about. That's what that story is all about, is he wants us to put ourselves there and say, you really want to make a difference? Every day, just allow God's spirit to move. And when your heart is moved, do something about it. And it will be moved because hurting people are all around. And then at the lowest point of your life, guess what's going to happen? Somebody, maybe a complete stranger, Somebody you don't know, somebody you don't even understand, somebody that may have a totally different political view than you, somebody has a different color skin than you, maybe it's somebody from a totally different gender, somebody is going to love you like Jesus and it's going to turn the tables on you and you're going to realize that's what we're on earth for, to be the neighbor Jesus wants us to be. Let me pray. God, we come before you and we just... Um, 
we're so encouraged by people in our lives uh, with all the bad news all around that demonstrate your love and your compassion. And Lord, we just pray that we strive to be like that, that we're willing to go side by side with others and to suffer with them. Thank you for suffering for us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for demonstrating the greatest compassion is your death on the cross that gave us hope. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.